The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, and of course that means it's time to get riled up on your Dallas Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle. I'm your boy Roy White at RW3 on the Twitter sphere at Tom Ryle BTB. You can find him and joining us for the very first time. I'm very excited to bring on one of my dear friends, a social media extravagant star by the name of one Jeffrey Cavanaugh at Time for Jeffrey is where you can find him on the Twitter sphere. For Cowboys fans who don't know who he is already, he is the former star of the G-Bag Nation, one time on the Dallas Cowboys radio home, now doing his own thing on the YouTube channel, and you can check out all his fantastic work. Great shows with the likes of Dane Brugler and Brian Broaddus, uh, big-time Cowboys insiders and NFL insiders. So, Jeff, as a dear friend of mine and as a professional man, thank you for taking the time with us. Of course. I love you, Roy White. You're one of my favorite people. Tom Ryle is uh, my favorite blogging the boys writer. So uh, it was an easy, easy yes. Jeff, do you want to uh, come on? Because I love and miss you, Roy. Hey, man. Well, the feeling's mutual on that front. And I'm really excited because, hey, I mean, even uh, working at the same station, you and I didn't get to cross pollinate too much from a radio perspective. So I am looking forward to us touching tips from a uh, Cowboys brain perspective, right? From oh, Cowboys mindset yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and putting yeah. this thing back in order. So I guess we could start kind of, you know, obviously the draft is very upcoming and Jeff Cavanaugh, for those who don't know, very in tune with the draft. He watches all these prospects can give you a big board and, and is in tune with some of the guys who are most in touch with, you know, personnel around the NFL, but I don't necessarily want to start there just yet. Cause it seems like from following you on social media and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like you've given the Cowboys a little bit of a positive nod for a lot of the moves they've made this off season. So walk me through kind of the Amari exodus, the ultimate turn down from Randy Gregory and the shift from the Cowboys front office as to why that, made sense on their part and ultimately what you kind of make of the Cowboys offseason up to this point. So the Randy Gregory one, like I don't have anything. The Randy Gregory one, do you guys cuss on this podcast? I like Not to. Much. Um, yeah. <laughs> Our boss, uh, RJ Ochoa does frown upon it, but um, he can clean they that pooped up. I the bed. I think they pooped the bed on the Randy Gregory one. 
And uh, I made a video about it. It's funny because I did wonder if I had just personalized the way my brain works and then projected it onto Randy Gregory when he agreed with the Cowboys and then flipped. And I made a video where I was like, I'll tell you what happened. At the end of it, he felt like they tried to pull something over on him. And as a guy who's gone through a lot of personal growth and a guy who's gone through this and that and has deals with these things, like if I don't feel valued and I feel cheated and somebody else makes me feel valued after I've done all the work to make myself value myself, kiss my butt. Like you're, I'm out. And uh, a lot of people in the comments on that video were like, I think you're just doing what you think. And I'm like, no, I think my brain and Randy's work real similar. And then I got a DM from Randy Gregory and he was like, dude, uh, watched the video. And he was like, spot on. He was like, I shed a <laughs> tear watching it. Um, wow. So I, so I got the Gregory thing, right? Um, no, I think my thing is that the internet and Twitter and like, it's just so much take shots at people, talk crap, negativity. And like, I don't know. It's not the, I had Bob Sturm on and he did it better than I did where it's like sports are fun. And it's just, you go on to Twitter or whatever. And it's like, Steven Jones is the dumbest guy in football. Jerry Jones doesn't know what he's doing. The Cowboys are inept. And it's like, but yet they consistently put a competitive team on the field. And so it's not so much that I'm looking at this particular off season to be like, man, they're killing the game so much as it's, if you're ranking the team building and how good are you at putting this thing together and giving yourself a chance, the Cowboys are in the top 10, not the bottom 10 in football. So like, I'm not going to kill them because of free agency decisions they make before we see how it plays out, especially in a case with somebody like Amari Cooper, who they telegraphed it. Like people think they don't do the go for it moves. They restructure people every F and year. They move money back every year to add players. Um, so they do some of that, not to the level that a lot of teams do, but they do some of it, and they refuse to do that with Amari Cooper for multiple off-seasons. They telegraphed this. You can say you don't think they can replace him, and you can think that it's a bad idea, but it's not that they're inept. It's that they made a conscious decision that they don't want Amari Cooper. They don't want a guy – with a quarterback who built a football field in the backyard and has CD and Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz come over and throw the ball around who can't practice or run in the off season. Like they just didn't want him. And so I get it. If you think that he's going to go have a great career and that they can't replace him, that you don't like that move. It just bothers me how much everybody's like, what a bunch of idiots. They suck. Romo had at least two teams that could have won the Super Bowl. Didn't play well enough in the playoffs to do it. Dax already had at least two teams that could have won the Super Bowl. Didn't play well enough in the playoffs to do it. And I think my thing is just that that's sports. And Cowboy fans hate it because it's now a 20-something-year sample size of not getting to a title game. And I'll grant you that, that through variance, bad luck, whatever, despite the fact that you put good enough teams on the field, they haven't gotten you your ultimate goal as a fan, and so you're frustrated. I get that. I just don't get the they're inept and don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I I like what you're saying about it because what I've kind of gotten into my head is that the Cowboys may be kind of in a little bit of GM purgatory 
where they're they're doing a good enough job. They're not. They don't have a team that's going to fall apart unless they have a major injury like that Prescott's ankle. But they don't quite have enough daring to make that push that we see teams like the Rams making, where they go out and figure out, here's what we need to do, and they throw whatever it is they need at it to try to get that done. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I, – I think, you know, in scenarios like that, I, I throw out specific examples where it's like, if you think you got a shot at this, and you don't have to go full Rams – I think it was cool that the Rams said, you know what? We have a quarterback who played really well in the year he took us to the Super Bowl. The last couple of years he hadn't played well. We're going to upgrade it. Screw him. Like, I, I like their aggressiveness, generally speaking. I would like the Cowboys to be more aggressive than they are. And, like, trade deadline, Cowboys should have traded for Melvin Ingram. That's what they should have done. Like, when there's littler things like that, like, I'm on board. I want them to be more aggressive uh, but obviously in the NFL, there's 50 ways to do it. The Cowboys have choose, chose a more conservative route. And I'm on board with that criticism where it's like, I'm not asking you to, you know, never have draft picks and go restructure literally everyone on the roster to try to win in one specific year. I like the idea of keep putting me in the dance and eventually we'll do it. Uh, but yeah, I think their aggression level is probably too low. I agree with that. When you look at, you know, how they're now preparing this offseason, we kind of thought, hey, the Cowboys might still make some moves. But then you look back at the last 10-year history of the Cowboys in free agency, and you kind of see that there's a pattern. Have they been completely scared off by paying free agents that were not previously in the building? Because in the last 10 years, the only two guys that have gotten more than $6.5 million per are Brandon Carr and Greg Hardy. And we all know how those played out. Yeah, I think you have to pick your spots in free agency because, again, this is where I kind of align with the Cowboys. If a team has a star player that they love and they don't want him to go anywhere, that dude gets extended with two years left on his deal. By the time you get to real-life unrestricted free agency, the other team is willing to part with you. And so I understand the hesitancy to be like, man, I'm going to go win a bidding war against 31 other teams – for a guy that one team decided like you're all bidding for him. Like he's incredible. And we were like, you can go. Um, so like I'm with them, but if you've got a glaring hole somewhere and you know, there's a capable NFL starter or a good NFL starter. And it's like, well, we're going to have to pay top of the market value for a player. I think there's strategically times to do that as teams, but it, it's also hard because you have teams at different places. Maybe this goes to what Tom's saying about the GM purgatory. The Cowboys are always like, if you go all the years that didn't have a season, season ending injury to either Tony Romo or Dak Prescott, then the Cowboys would be on like a eight year run of winning seasons. Um, and in a bidding war in the off season, guess who you're bidding against somebody who hadn't been trying to win in a half decade somebody who's going to give Christian Kirk $20 million a year. And so it's like, wow, that's where you guys are wanting me to swim in those waters. And the Cowboys don't want to, and I get it. I just think there's strategically the right times at the right position to do something other than bottom fishing. So again, I'm in the middle of it where 
their overall philosophy, I agree with it. I think they're right. But that doesn't mean that every player you sign needs to be a vet minimum guy. Now, this might be a little bit more about the internal politics of the star. But right now, how much support do you think Mike McCarthy really has? Are they looking beyond him already, or are they really going to try to get him a winning roster this year? I think because Jerry is 78, Brian Broadus talks about this all the time. Like not that long ago, he was at John Madden's funeral and like contemporaries of his friends of his that are his age are going into the ground. Like I can't in my heart of hearts think that he's going to burn a season on purpose and not try their best to win. Unless you promised me that there's like a backdoor deal that Sean Payton's like, look, I can get away from the saints, but I can't come straight to you or I'll look like a jerk. I got to go do something for a year. Then I'll come to you. Then I could see him not having that full support. Uh, I just don't know that those things are happening. And for a dude that old, I think that he desperately wants to win. They just think the way that they do it is right. They really believe the way they're doing it is right. Uh, maybe in the next year or two, if things start to decline, we'll get a real aggressive offseason. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, they're going to have to have money to make a real aggressive offseason a thing, but perhaps they can do it. I mean, there's money to be saved on contracts like Ezekiel Elliott, which hopefully we'll never see in Cowboys land again, a star running back being paid $5 million over what even the best players at his position typically make. But I'll digress on that point. As we kind of look ahead to the NFL draft and now we're two and a half weeks away, by the way, you're doing anything special for the draft that I can plug and give the folks a shout out about. I am undecided on my exact plans. I'm doing the draft show on DallasCowboys.com every Tuesday and Thursday leading up to it. Dane Brugler, Brian Broaddus, and I do a show called Plug and Play on my YouTube channel every Wednesday night. And I think on Thursday, day one of the draft, I'll be on DallasCowboys.com. Days two and three are undecided. I might just do it on the YouTube channel, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Well, exciting, man. Well, as you kind of look forward to that, you know the Cowboys are – picking where they're picking. And I've seen some of your content uh, regarding kind of what you think they'll do at that position and why. So I kind of want to ask you a two-parter. What do you think they'll do with that 24th pick? And then where would you go knowing where the value is in this draft, knowing where the depth is in this draft, knowing where perhaps um, the surplus value might be at that position. Is there another spot you would target um, that you don't think the Cowboys will go there, but you would knowing what, what you know kind of about the evaluations you've made. I think they've mostly announced to us their plan in the first round, because when you look at their visit list of the pre-draft guys, they're bringing in, which you get 30 every year, they have three first round wide receivers on that visit list. And they have the only two first round guard prospects on that visit list. So I think they've narrowed it down for us and said, hey, we're pretty sure in the first round we're taking a wide receiver or an offensive guard. And there's some other first-round prospects on there, but at those positions, that's all they brought in is first-rounders. So I think Traylon Burks, Chris Olave, Drake London, three wide receivers, and then Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, the offensive guards, I think one of those five is the pick. I think that's that's going to be it, is tell me which ones of those make it there, and then we'll see which one they're going to pick. 
I'm trying to think if there's something different that I want them to do. Cause I'm totally on board with the first round wide receiver. I think you get good wide receivers in this league. And now the standard at wide receiver is $30 million a year. So even if you don't want to keep them long-term, Oh darn, I got this really good player. I'm meant to flip for a first and second round pick or whatever and pick the next one. It's just become such an incredibly valuable position. Yeah. I hope they'll consider Tyler Linderbaum, the Iowa center, because that's the dude that it seems like is dropping because his arms are two inches too short to be perfect. Because outside of that, he's perfect. Like he has some of the best tape I've ever seen. Tyler Linderbaum is a freaking stud, but his arms are that long instead of that long. So instead of going in the top 10, hell, he might not get picked on day one. It, it's interesting you talked about the, the people they brought in because just today, uh, thanks to a heads up from uh, another one of our writers called Dan, named Dan Rogers or goes by Danny Phantom on the site, there's a, a thing that ESPN Analytics runs that predicts the likelihood of a player being at any given point in the first three rounds. And if you run that, and look at what they've come up with. It's saying that basically Burks and Olavale, is that how I say Olave. Olave, they're almost certainly going to be gone by the time Dallas goes on the clock at 24. I don't remember the other uh, wide receiver you mentioned, but both uh, Johnson and Green are going to be sitting there for the, the plucking. And then you kind of look at, well, what do they do after that? I looked at all three of their draft picks, plus played around with a trade back in the first round. And round two, it's the edge rushers. They've got some some really solid edge rushing talent then. And then if you took the guard in the first, then there's still some good wide receivers around in the third. And that was an interesting thing to kind of put the uh, the likelihood as part of the uh, the equation on it. So – you know, I, I'm I'm thinking they're probably going to wind up with the guard just because that's how it's going to fall for them. But we all know that the draft can go in funny, funny directions at any moment. Yeah, you could have a random wide receiver that you thought wouldn't make it, C.D. Lamb. You could have. Yeah. You could have it go just the way you think. Because I agree with you. I think it's most likely that Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green's the pick. Because I think it's most likely that. And the league might sort that out for you because one of them might go 23rd or 21st and the receivers they visited could be gone. Um, And so I think that's going to kind of work itself out. Wide receiver in the third is interesting to me just because I want to see how many go. Cause I think there's going to be at least six that go in the first round. And every year there's a good number of wide receivers, but when I run the little simulators, sometimes I get screwed in the third round and there's not a guy left that I'm comfortable thinking, you know what? He steps in and starts because that's what they need. And that's what's thrown me off about their offseason this year. Normally they do a better job of not forcing themselves to do anything. But right now they are forced to find a starting left guard. And I think they're forced to find a starting wide receiver because Gallup's going to miss a month probably. And James Washington, I get a lot of blowback for this. Nothing in his career says that he's an NFL starter. And maybe it's because Big Ben can't throw a football, but there's not evidence that you're going to be comfortable with James Washington as one of your starting wide receivers. His paycheck doesn't say that they're comfortable with him as one of their starting wide receivers. Um, 
They have to find those. Mm-hmm. And that's not very cowboy-like. It's cowboy-like to announce what they're going to do. <laughs> it's not cowboy-like to go into a draft with multiple clear starter holes on the roster. That's weird to me. And I wonder yeah. if they have something up their sleeve with a late-round pick or a mid-round pick, maybe for a player or what's going on, because that's just weird. I don't know how you don't go guard wide receiver or wide receiver guard with how their roster's set up right now. And that's a terrible idea to go into a draft and have to pick a position. It's a terrible idea. Do you feel there are any other starter holes on the defensive side of the ball as well? Um, Edge is interesting because Dorrance, I don't really view as an NFL starter, but maybe he will be good enough to be that. Uh, but the wild card is, okay, but you also have Micah Parsons. Does that just mean that he's going to play more of it as the roster's currently constructed? And if he is, guess what? You don't have enough linebackers. So there's just, there's a lot of things that they need. They need depth at linebacker. I wish they could upgrade the interior of the defensive line. I'd like to have a guy feel better about as my starting right defensive end. They're going to pick Dalton Schultz's heir apparent, and they need a left guard and a wide receiver. It's going to be hard to be better on paper than they were last year. It's going to be hard. They can be a better football team because their quarterback yeah. won't have two, two inconsistent months after a calf strain, but they got to figure out how to block, and they have more holes than I'm used to going into a draft. Do you, do you think there's a chance they might – go out and get something before the draft still, or are we pretty much in the doldrums right now? I mean, up until recently, I was pretty sure we would hear about a veteran offensive guard signing. Mm-hmm. I would, I would like, just because it's the Cowboy way. The Cowboy way is to go, okay, we could play on Sunday, and maybe they're sold on McGovern, but you can't talk me into that because – you thought Connor Williams had to be benched for penalties. And how many games did McGovern get before they were like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> so, so that's going to be a tough sell. Um, so I don't know if they will, but it would make me feel a lot better if we just heard, and I don't have names in front of me of free agents that are available, but either through trade, like my ideal scenario would be the Robert Quinn kind of trade where you find me a team that knows they're not going to compete and a middle of his career or maybe towards the end of his career, starting caliber left guard that they're looking at their roster, like what's the point of having him here? Can we get a four or five? That sort of trade is what I'd love to see. I just don't have a name ready for it. I think you might've hinted it already with the tight end selection there for the Cowboys. But uh, for those, you know, that haven't seen the videos of your fine work suggesting that this might be something on their radar. Can you give me, a uh, Jeffrey Kavanaugh guarantee for the draft, something the Cowboys may or may not do, or a player you think is definitely going to wind up with the star in his helmet. I guarantee you, pending them adding free agents before the draft, that three of their first four picks are on offense. I guarantee you one of them is a guard if they don't sign somebody. I guarantee a receiver in the first three rounds and I guarantee a tight end in the first four rounds. And you shouldn't be able to do that for a draft. 
You shouldn't be able to. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like, that was four. You. That was four pretty solid footing guarantees. Yeah, I just guaranteed it would be a guard, a receiver, a tight end, and hell, the other one might be an offensive tackle. Might be four offensive players with their first four picks. It's going to be an offensive draft. I guarantee you that. It's going to be. It is absolutely positively going to be an uh, an offensive draft. They're yeah, they going to spend seem, this entire offseason going, what can we do for Dak? Yeah, they seem to be getting into a bit of a pendulum swing because last year it was all defense. This year it's all offense. And I'm not too sure that's, that's at all a bad roster-building strategy, you know, because you, you bring in some guys and then develop that side for a year while you're bringing in the new guys on the other side. So it, it, it's one of those things where they may have kind of backed into something that, that could be workable for a while. That sounds very Cowboys, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, there's this good thing they're doing accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said that if they succeed this year, it's going to partly be in spite of themselves. Yeah, this is the this is the most confused I've ever been going into a draft about what they're doing. Like James Washington wasn't a big enough splash slash good enough player or whatever, at least in my brain. I could be wrong about that that you're considering him a starter. Connor McGovern ain't considered a starter to me. Uh, I'm not used to that. Glaring, glaring holes as you go into a draft. I'm used to having a pretty good feel what position they'll go with, but not because they absolutely positively have to, and they have two of them. And I I think James Washington could be that guy, but there's nothing in his history that suggests he will be, so I wouldn't take the chance of just leaving him on an island to have to be that guy if he winds up being that guy that's great but i wouldn't take the chance just having to depend on it you want to play a terrible 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 game sure uh you're in the preseason late in the preseason and uh a guy that wears jersey number 88 tweaks a hammy has a high ankle sprain whatever so see you in four to six weeks yeah who are your receivers Three Ooh. of them play at a time. Who's out there? Um, that's going to be Noah James. Brown. That's going to be, I mean, of course, Gallup, right? He'll be back. No, nope, he's going to miss a month. He's oh, miss wait. A month. oh, man. I'm going to be hurt. Yeah, he said no, preseason. No, yeah, no, he was definitely going to be in trouble. Man. Um, James Washington, Noah Brown, Semi, Semi Fihoko. <laughs> that's your wide receivers. Yuck, dude. That's, uh, we'll that's find trouble. Out how well, good actually, Dak no. Is. No, I, I, I take that back. They're picking a wide receiver. I I put Tony Pollard in the slot, and I feel great about my chance. (laughs) You're going to be seeing a lot of uh, 12 personnel of McEwen and Schultz. Yeah, I sneak him out of the field, and I sprinkle in a little sprinkle, and I feel okay about it. No, I can't. You'll you'll play with six offensive linemen. He's going too, isn't he, Jeremy? Sprinkles. Uh, I think Sprinkles on the roster. I think he they he's on the roster. Okay. Yeah, I think I had that mind in my head, and I was like. "Mm." Don't know. They're Schultz, McEwen, Sprinkle, and they will be picking Schultz's replacement. Because normally when you franchise tag a guy, you start hearing about the long-term contract, and I ain't heard a peep. Not a whisper. Not a word. Well, for those that aren't following him already, at Time for Jeffrey on Twitter is where you can find the man, my dear friend, who is still very busy even after uh, his retirement from full-time radio uh, you can hear him on the ben and sking show here in dallas 97 one the eagle 
from two to five over the next two weeks. And of course you can get all of his great Cowboys draft content, Cowboys content, lifestyle content, Jeff, very big advocate for, uh, for mental health. And if you got anything on that, Jeff, by all means, I'll give you the, I'll give you the floor before my two minutes of zoom runs out. Oh, actually I do. Uh, just really quickly. If you go to my Twitter account at time for Jeffrey, I set a fundraising goal because I am chairing the NAMI North Texas walk this year. It's May 21st at Rough Riders stadium in Frisco and NAMI is NAMI North Texas is I'm a big believer in therapy has, I don't know if saved is too strong a word, but if it is, it's barely saved my life. Therapy has, and not everybody has access to and can afford therapy. NAMI North Texas does free mental health care for people and for friends and family, for educational things, for group meetings and therapy, blah, 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 blah. They do all those things. So I love them. So I'm working with them and I have a team for the walk. It's the pinned tweet on my Twitter account at time for Jeffrey, where if you could donate um, to help NAMI continue to do what they do, if you could retweet it to help with awareness, if you want to join my walk team, it's all right there on my pinned tweet. Well, as a, as a guy who's had to have some therapy to get himself through some very difficult times uh, dealing with uh, health issues and uh, then the death of my late wife. Um, you know, I'm, I'm there with you. People, people look down on seeking help for mental problems and act like they're not real. And that's just not the way it should be. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love you, Tom. I love you, Roy. Hey, love you too, Jeff. Keep doing your thing, man. We'll be following. And uh, thanks for joining the pod, man. We'll do it again, you know, after the draft to get your thoughts on how things shook out. Of course, of course. Love you, brother. Take care. Love you. All right, Tom. Well, we'll be back here in just a minute on the Riled Up podcast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So after a brief chat with our friend Jeff Cavanaugh, we've got a few loose ends to tie up here on the Riled Up podcast. And Tom, of course, has come up with another fantastic article for you. Bloggingtheboys.com is where you can check out all that great content. But, you know, it was kind of the perfect jump off point from where we left things with Jeff. A couple of guarantees of what the Cowboys might do in the early parts of the draft. But in the back end of the draft, right, the Cowboys have four picks 
in the fifth round to be able to work with. And, and that was one I, you know, probably would ask Jeff and I'll ask him maybe privately at some point as to if there was a round that you could move up into maneuver with these picks, what they might do, what they might be able to do. But Tom, you did a great deep dive in, Hey, if the Cowboys decide to sit pat here in the fifth round and make their selections, they have done some interesting things in the past in that position. Yeah, uh, I, I went back six years just to encompass the Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott draft. Uh, and, you know, you can't really look at last year because we really don't know what they got out of that. But the Cowboys have been very good in the fourth round. Uh, just to give you a, a, a list of the people that they have on the team that are fourth rounders from uh, 2016 through 2020. They've got Tyler Biotish, who's your starting center, at least for the time being. Tony Pollard, who is, um, he's not a starter, but he's a very important part of the offense, should probably be more important. Uh, you know, a lot of us would like to see him used better. Uh, then in back in 2018, they got Dorrance Armstrong, who right now they're kind of depending on to try and carry the load. Uh, pending what they wind up getting in the draft. They got Dalton Schultz, who is going to be your starting tight end, even if it's only just for this year. And then, of course, they got the, the, the big fish, Dak Prescott, with that fourth-round pick that they kind of accidentally had him fall to them. Uh, that's five out of eight of the fourth-round picks over that five-year stretch when we have a little bit of resume to look at the players. That's pretty good. When you're hitting over 50% on the fourth round uh, and getting starters, not just key depth players, but starters in some cases, that's doing pretty good. But when you get to the fifth round, mm. yee, uh, over those five years, they don't have a single fifth round pick that's still with the team. Hmm. Now, in two of the years, they traded out of, which says to me that may be what they ought to be looking to do. In fairness, they've only made four, four, four fifth round picks in the last six years. So, yeah, you know, in, in fairness, uh, other than Semi Fahoko, who we're not including because that's just one year sample size, we, we mm -hmm. don't know what he will be ultimately. Mm -hmm. But the, the picks that they've made in the fifth round, Joe Jackson, the defensive end, no longer with the team. Mike White, uh, no longer with the team. Marquez White, no longer, or excuse me, sorry, he was a sixth rounder in 2017. And those that was pretty much it. Michael Jackson, the other cornerback. And, um, and Bradley and, and I. Oh, and Anai, yes, Bradley and I. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but none, you know, that's five players uh, for, uh, yeah, four players, and none of them stuck. None of them did anything really at all. Um, it, it's kind of odd that they actually have a much better batting average in the sixth and seventh rounds, mm -hmm. which you, you'd think it, under normal logic, you'd think your chances would go down each round. But among the sixth and seventh rounders, they, they picked up Donovan Wilson, uh, Cedric Wilson, who's gone now, but certainly was, you know, saw some good use as a wide receiver. They picked up Xavier Woods. He's moved on, but he was a starter for a while. Uh, 
they got Noah Brown, who is, as we just mentioned with Jeff, you know, they may be depending on him to be a starter this year. And uh, in, in 2016, you know, that really was a pretty good draft because they got Anthony Brown, who's now a starter at cornerback in the sixth round. And they also picked up Kayvon Frazier, who I think had something like 70 games with the Cowboys before he moved on. So man, that may be too many, maybe more than the 40, 50 range, somewhere in that area. I don't have the, that figure. On it. But he stayed around for several years, seasons. So they – it's like the fifth round is, as I mentioned, the, the term I used in the, in the article, it's a desert for them. And I think – if they could find a way to package two or even three of them just to get up into the fourth round, I think they would be better off with a quality player than with just trying to uh, go with numbers again and hope that the shotgun blast managed to hit something. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with them because for the Cowboys fifth round picks just aren't worth a whole lot at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say if the Cowboys do decide to stay at that spot, you know, you're always looking for the rounds in which you can take advantage of the depth at a particular position. And I want to highlight now we, we talked about the edge rusher class, extremely strong, um, you know, projected potentially up to 25, 30 guys could go. And, you know, based on NFL drafts over the last six years, that would be about, you know, around average 25 guys, if 30 go, that would be towards the top end of the most that have gone in the last six years. There is one particular position though, that I look at and according to the projections and, and what I say that I'm basing that off of an article uh, that was written by a guy by the name of Timo risk. And, and it actually is a guy we're going to have on the pod at some point in the near future. He writes for pro football focus and he did a deep dive into investigating the po- positional depth within the NFL draft. And he basically looked over the last six years and came up with an average of the number of players that were drafted at each particular position. So when I gave you that number about edge rushers, you know, on average in the NFL, about 30, uh, excuse me, about 25, 26 are taken in an NFL draft over the last six years. This year, that number could be 30, right? So the depth is a little bit deeper at that position. There is one position that is projected to have over 30 players drafted at the position. And the most that have ever been taken in a draft is 23 over the last six years. The average number of players taken at this position is 17. And again, according to Pro Football Focus and their big board, they have over 30 players at this position that are draft eligible, worthy of being taken. Care to guess what position that would be? If you follow through all that, because I know I'm long-winded. I'm, in I, I wish it was linebacker. Do you? Because I would – yeah, because if they're going to go get a linebacker, I'd much rather them go late with them than earlier just because of the positional value. And they're looking for strictly a, an off-ball inside linebacker right now. Yes. Well, I mean, good news on that front, according to PFF's big board kind of, and again, they take a lot of different trends. They use grinding the mock that aggregates kind of mock drafts all over, you know, the internet. 
as well as kind of the minimums and the maximums that have been taken in NFL drafts. They do actually think in day two, there is, there is a surplus of, of talent at the linebacker position, but historically overall for the entirety of the draft, maybe fewer linebackers get taken than what they normally see the position. I was Go ahead. Can I make a second guess at it? Yes. Just based on some numbers I was looking at in the first three rounds, would it possibly be running back? It wouldn't. Um, and not that not that running back doesn't have a lot of draftable classes. Uh, excuse me, a lot of players that are draftable worthy in the class, but it's not historically much different than what it's been in okay. previous years. Um, then enlighten me. Yes. The, the big one, because for, for running backs, by the way, I mean, they're – they're actually on the higher end, but it's all in the back end, right? There's almost no high-end talent in the running back groups, according to you know these numbers. But the position that they say could have almost twice as many players taken as the average draft sees is offensive tackle. Um, they think nearly 20 offensive tackles could be taken before pick 150, which, you know, if you're scoring at home, that's a about four, that's a little less than four rounds, or excuse me, a little bit more than four rounds in, right? Four and a half rounds in, midway through round five. They could see 20 offensive tackles taken. And historically, by that same pick, there's only been about 12 off the board. So and I know it's and not I'll necessarily you, one a major need for them, but it is one that oh, I would target. Maybe. Yeah, let me let me say that's kind of a sleeper need for for me because you've got Tyron Smith who is having trouble staying on the field as his body is now through what, 11 years or something. He's been around a long time. He's not that old a guy age-wise because he started, I mean he was a starter in the NFL before he could legally go into a bar and buy a drink. But his, the wear and tear is just accumulating on him, and it's showing as he keeps having some kind of an injury that misses some games every year. Then you've got Terrence Steele. They seem to have a lot of faith in him, but, man, there might be a chance for an upgrade. And the other thing that they might do is that some of these college tackles can also move inside and maybe be a guard now and a, a tackle for the future, which is kind of what they try to do with Lil Collins, uh, you know. So that, to me, is a sleeper position to watch in the first couple, three rounds. Well, and again, th- this is the interesting part of it. When you look at, when you look at the graph that Timo kind of put together, I mean, yes, there is, you know, some higher end talent in the first couple of rounds. In fact, they think five tackles could go within the first, you know, 22 picks or so, which would be close to the record, the highest taken in that first period. But there's a pretty large gap right around pick 22 up until picks, you know, 40 or so. There's a pretty large gap between kind of the talent. So if they don't go tackle in that first round, and I wouldn't expect them to there at 24, right? We kind of already detailed the major needs that they have. Well, I think the third or fourth round, and maybe even with some of those picks in the fifth, you could see them targeting some tackles that 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 could be players. Now, I know that's not sexy. I know that's not exciting, but we're going to have Timo on uh, here in 
a week or so's time, maybe a week and a half, you and I, I think are going to set up a podcast with him because he is in Germany, but I'd like to start being able to share some of the content that he put together. Cause I shared it with you and I think you were at least moderately interested. Oh, in I'm, what I I'm very, you. I'm very interested because I'm interested in anything that comes up and says, Hey, here's what the conventional wisdom is missing. And I saw some of that with, with what Timo wrote in the articles that you forwarded to me. Yes. And so that's the kind of people I love to talk to because we've, we've seen how some of these outside ideas have now started to go mainstream in the NFL. Yes. Uh, it's the whole analytics thing. You know, once upon a time, everyone was like, what is this? And now PFF has built itself into quite a little industry uh, including providing information, according to them, to many, if not all, of the NFL teams. Yeah, uh, with some proprietary stuff. So, yeah, I, well, they are, and they're charging a pretty penny for it uh, just to get to this content. It costs me about, I think, thirty-five annually, which isn't bad, right? But the pro version that they have, thirty-five dollars <laughs> a month, yeah. is what you're looking at, and that's you know, hey, you kind of probably got to be in an office somewhere to make that. And for, for the stuff they're offering the teams, I'm sure it's way more than that because, you know, Chris Collinsworth wouldn't be, uh, you know, invested in backing well, it if it wasn't well, in it as big. There wasn't again, some money for those in that it. can't see it, um, you know, maybe I'll find a way to summarize it in some capacity, take some photos and and get an article up for you on it because I'd love to be able to summarize it. But it's at times, Tom, admittedly, um, I have to reread it a couple of times to fully understand it because. It is a, it is a analyst's brain, um, almost a scientist's brain looking at that stuff. And I am far from a scientist, sir. So I'll read it a couple more times before we have him on um, this weekend to record and, and get kind of a pre-draft preview there. Anything else on your mind? Um, are you investing in crypto now, Tom, after the announcement <laughs> from the Cowboys this week? No, I, I you know, I, I, uh, to me, crypto is the Amway of investment. I just uh, figure there's got to be some point at which things might kind of start spiraling downwards. But, you know, I like the I also like the comparison that uh, crypto is for the current generation what gold is for the older crowd like me. Mm. You know, uh, so we'll just, you know, uh, best of luck to Jerry Jones. I'm sure he's going to make boo coodles of money out of it. So. Well, thank yeah. God for that. He needs it, right? Uh, yeah. He, he and the Jones Literally. family really struggling these last couple of years. And nice to see things turning around for them finally. Nice to see, <laughs> you know, some good folks get a get a break every now and then, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, I do I do want to say before we go, it was, it was great having Jeff on. That was a lot of fun. And hopefully we can we can kind of expand the whole guest uh, commentator idea because i think that was that was a that gives us a nice break from having to just uh, come up with stuff between the two of us to try to entertain the audience hey well as he told us you know they get their content from us and we can get a little bit from them as well and and by all means yeah another shout out to jeff uh good good pal of mine great dude um just a real all-around good human being and uh 
I think that shows for those that follow him on social media or those that follow him on YouTube. And please, you know, give his channel a subscription. Say, hey, because he's going to be pumping out that content for you. And of course, we will continue to do that here as well. Bloggingtheboys.com is where you can find all that content. Tom and I, of course, two weeks from now, will be featured on the first night of our NFL draft coverage Thursday evening. Uh, Tom will have a spot there in the nine o'clock hour. And then I will be featured in the 10 o'clock hour. And hopefully the Cowboys will be making some noise right around that time. Tom, I'm crossing my fingers that the thing drags <laughs> on and I get to be there announcing the Cowboys pick and instantly reacted to it. But either way, we'll have you covered here on the blog of the boys YouTube page till then another podcast coming to you next week. We'll try to get you some of what Timo has to say and explain where there could be a surplus for the Cowboys from a positional standpoint and how they can take advantage of it. Will they do that? Well, we'll find out in a couple of weeks. But for Tom, I'm Roy. Y'all stay all riled up on the Cowboys, and we'll see you next Thursday.